Hello out there to whoever's listening. Uh, this is Pastor Tim Dooner of Valley Forge Presbyterian Church, and I welcome you to this fourth sermon from our fall and winter 2019 sermon series on Christian and congregational vitality. This sermon is entitled, Marks of Vitality, Empowered Servant Leadership. I invite you to enjoy and to become centered by a time of quiet and stillness now. So what I share for your consideration and imagination here is in response to a portion of Paul's letter to the Ephesian churches. Uh, this is from the fourth chapter. I therefore, uh, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift, the gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We are uh, grateful for how God uses the scripture to shape and inspire and to call us. So this fall, we are taking our first steps on this journey and becoming more fully a Matthew 25 congregation. Uh, the invitation to join in this movement of the denomination is the invitation to restore the relevance of the church in the world by being a people of action where God's love and justice and will for all humanity are embodied, acted out, on display in us, the people of the church. Um, the Matthew 25 initiative comes with these three areas of focus, uh, the first of which is to intentionally seek a greater vitality, to build ourselves up in strength for the sake of our work. And we're reflecting in this series on these seven marks or signs that we are vital in our spiritual life and in our life together as the church. Um, we uh, consider in this episode um, emp empowered servant leadership. So we heard from uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. The major theme of this letter that he wrote is the unity and the reconciliation of all peoples and all creation through the witness and work of the church. God is working in all things, in particular through the people of the church who intentionally seek to participate, to reconcile all things, to bring all of humanity, all of creation back to this place of goodness, balance, peace, connection, flourishing that God intended for all of humanity and creation all along. God put this idea in us, and our lives become expressions of that idea. And our lives contribute to this becoming more fully a reality. 
Paul's claims to the Ephesians make sense in this context. It's this section starts with Paul writing, I beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This letter from Paul wasn't just to church leaders. It wasn't just to pastors or elders or deacons or committee members. This was a letter for public reading for anyone and everyone who claimed to be Christian. I beg each and every one of you, lead a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called with humility and patience and love, seeking unity and peace. Paul claims that every single one of us has a calling, and he begs, beseeches every one of us as Christians to live a life that is worthy of that calling. It's not just pastors who are called by God to do something unique with their lives for God's sake. It's not just elders or deacons who are called by God to do something unique with their lives for God's sake. It's not just that certain people are called to do something unique for God within the programmatic structure of the congregation. Jesus was undoubtedly really close with his disciples. He spent far more time with them than the masses, and he was really, really close with a few of those disciples. But he never only worried about what the three or the twelve were called to do. Not only about them. They were those who were commissioned to participate particular leadership functions for the sake of the propagation of his way of living that he was modeling. But they were not the only ones who knew and acted out uh, according to Jesus' call upon them. Uh, there are stories in the Gospels of Jesus sending out dozens upon dozens of people at a time to proclaim the kingdom, heal the sick, and love the neighbor. They were equipped by his example and his teachings and called to do something intentional with their time and energy for the sake of God's kingdom uh, in expression and pursuit of this big idea of reconciliation. When we read the gospel stories, we realize that some had the unique function of being servant leaders in the movement of Christianity. Some were entrusted with the responsibility of perpetuating the way of Jesus by teaching, equipping, sending out others. but Everyone, everyone, everyone shared the same calling to live in service of God's will of reconciliation. In this letter from Paul, we see the same. Some are entrusted with particular functions within Christianity so that it's carried forth from generation to generation by the intentional teaching and equipping of others. But they by no means had a unique calling status, or calling. We all have the same calling. We all have the invitation each and every day to live lives that are worthy of that calling. Some of us have different functions, but we all share the same status and the same calling. Paul said it this way in his letter. Some of us must serve in the role of apostle, those who are sent out to do places. Some of us must serve in the role of prophet, those who help Others to see how we're not being faithful to Christ's way in the here and now and to, to call us all back to faithfulness. Some of us must serve in the role of evangelist, those who go tell of the good news of what God is doing in the midst of life and in the world. 
Some of us must serve in the role of pastor and teacher, those who help others to integrate the message, the truth of Jesus and the scriptures into our daily living and into our relationships. And some must serve in these roles for the sake of the larger end goal of Christianity, which is that all the saints are equipped for the work of ministry, is what Paul writes. As we've affirmed throughout this series, Christ did not come to condemn the world. Being a Christian is not about saving the self. We've already been reconciled to God. The saving work is already done. We don't have to pay back a debt that is already paid. So if Christianity isn't about setting up salvation factories into which people come in order to earn their forgiveness and love from God, then instead it's about setting up equipping stations into which people can come in order to be equipped for the work of ministry, equipped to make their daily lives participatory in God's work in the world. How does that change our understanding? We understand that congregations are not salvation factories, but ministry equipping stations. We don't gather in as the church and to sanctuaries and pews and seats in order to earn God's forgiveness. We gather in together to acknowledge that because of Jesus, we know that God's love and forgiveness have belonged to us since before we were born. And to give thanks and celebration and praise for that. But we also gather in to be equipped for ministry before we are sent out into our lives. Jesus did not just want his followers to know that they didn't have to go through everything that the Pharisees told them they had to do in order uh, to earn God's love. He also wanted them to know that they were invaluable participants in that divine love in the world as ministers. It's only by the ministry of all the saints of the church that the ministry of Jesus has been sustained over the centuries. My wife Blair and I have our own stories about how God worked through people in our lives in ways that strengthened our commitment to Christian discipleship and life. Those stories really are not all about pastors and elders, and they aren't all about what happened uh, in pews but about people willing to love us in relationship who had no idea how much work God was really doing through them. There are stories about your ministry that could be this central to the kingdom. Ministry isn't defined by what ministers do. Uh, as us minister types juggle uh, these roles of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and teacher, we're not the only ones called the ministry. And ministry isn't just defined by what elected officers of the church do. Board and committee meetings, event planning, budget and building oversight, overseeing the people, etc. Deacons and elders are not the only ones called to ministry in our congregation. All of our people are called. To be blunt, it's not that a congregation pays a pastor to do ministry on their behalf. Nor does a congregation elect officers to do the ministry on their behalf. It's the role of pastors and officers to equip every last person in the church for lives of ministry. We are all called to lives of ministry. And church leaders like Paul have begged the people of the church for centuries, please live lives that are worthy of your calling. There's one God who is above, in, and through all. One body of faith animated by God's Spirit. And as that body, we have one hope, and it's the reconciliation of all things. Therefore, from that hope, we have one calling, 
the calling to make our lives participate as much as we are able in the few and fragile days that we have on this planet in the work of God, the ministry initiated in Jesus to which all of us are called, to bring all humanity and creation back into that place of balance, interconnectedness, belonging, flourishing, and peace. For our congregation to be faithful, relevant, powerful, vital, we have to never forget that it's not about the pastor doing her or his job so that the church is pleased or entertained or saved, or so that ministry is done by the professional. And it's not about elders, deacons, and committee chairs doing their jobs so that the machine and the congregation runs. We must not forget that our work and witness is a team sport and that pastors and officers are not the only players on the field, but our player coaches filling particular roles within our shared calling. It takes the whole team on the field to fulfill our mission. Um, here where we are in Valley Forge, many of us are fans of the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and we might imagine Carson Wentz, the quarterback, being the only player on the field against the opponent, he would have no chance. All the other Eagles need to be on the field. It's not just about that one. It's about the whole team. And that's true for the church, too. None of us are spectators. We all play to be faithful, relevant, powerful, vital, to be Christian. We have to remember that being the church is about every single one of us knowing that we have a voice to speak of God's goodness in and around us, every single one of us knowing the gifts that we have from God that we can use for the sake of God's good accomplished, and every single one of us feeling empowered by God's Spirit to go out from our gatherings to love and serve our neighbors by doing God's work. When we look at ourselves as a congregation, we are not to see a list of problems to be fixed. We're not to see pews that need to be occupied or committees that need to be filled or bills that need to be paid. We're not to see a minister who is responsible for carrying out what God is seeking to do in the whole community, but pews full of ministers, gifted servants of God, each endowed by God with unique wisdom and strengths, equipped for and called to lives of ministry within relationships, encounters, and daily patterns, Lives lived in service of the gospel that God is at work in all things to reconcile and restore a peaceful world. And we have everything we need to be faithful ministers of the gospel, every single one of us. I beg and beseech us all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, lead a life that is worthy of the calling to which we've been called, with humility, patience, and gentleness, bearing with all others in love and making every effort to grow God's kingdom of unity and peace. Know your strengths. Find your voice. Open your eyes and hearts to the possibilities before you each day to live according to that calling. With God's help, do your ministry, saints. Amen. Amen. May God bless you in your reflections and your prayers.